Megan. And I'm Jen. And you're listening to the Travel Mug Podcast. Every episode, we talk about travel destinations, interesting trivia, and even some travel fails. Let's dive into today's episode. Don't forget to travel mug. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Travel Mug Podcast. Today, we're going to chat with travel agent, mom, and business owner, Christina Vieira. She's the owner of Showcase the World Travel, a modern family travel agency for busy moms ready to show their kids the world without adding planning it all to their to-do list. Welcome, Christina. Thank you guys so much for having me. Our pleasure. So first, can you tell us about your company, Showcase the World Travel, and why you became a travel agent? Of course. So um, I started Showcase the World Travel to help overwhelmed families take a break from the busy by planning hassle-free vacations for them so that the whole family can actually enjoy their vacation. That's totally fair. Because, I mean, Megan and I, we like to plan travel, but, like, it is a lot of work. And if you already have, like, 50 million things going on, that is a lot to add to your to-do list. It's a lot yeah. of hours. Yeah. Yeah. So the average person spends 40 hours planning a trip. Oh my God. Wow. That's a whole work week. That is, it's crazy. And so what, what I kind of do is just kind of say to them, you know, you don't have time. It's my full-time job. Yeah. Literally. Right. For, I spend 40 hours a week doing this. So um, don't, there's no reason if you don't enjoy mm-hmm. the planning part of travel, to have, to not have someone do it for you. Mm-hmm. So if the average person spends 40, Jen, that means you spend about what? 55? Is that <laughs> sort of how you do it? Or Am I over planning? Yeah. That's, <laughs> I should cut back. I should set a timer probably. You should. Christine, I did want to ask before we move on to the next question. So like in regards to starting your own um, business and like, did you go to travel school to get the education? Is this something that you're just entrepreneurial and how did this come to be, I guess, as a business for you? Sure. So there are no, um, necessarily travel agent specific programs. Like you can't go to college to get a degree to become a travel advisor. There are some courses out there, some online courses that you can take. Um, the American society of travel advisors does have a verification program, but there's not really like a course that is going to give you the beginning to end. So, um, and it's not really something that people think, Oh, I'm going to become, I want to be a travel agent when I grow up. So how it happened for me is I was working at a tech company. I was doing event management. Somehow sales training ended up on my lap. And with that became planning all of the sales team at business travel. So I started answering a lot of questions on their personal travel as well, because I was a big Disney fan. I was going to Disney a lot. And so a lot of them would come and be like, okay, tell me, tell me how to do this. And at the time I was working 90 hour weeks right? when I was traveling, but not fun traveling. Like I've been to Vegas four times and I've never been outside of the convention center. So I knew it wasn't sustainable and I knew my priority was being able to have flexibility for when I was ready to have a family. And so it just kind of all happened um, organically that, you know, I'm, I'm helping people plan their travel for, for my other job. And then, you know, the, the tech company didn't really take off the way that it, they had planned. And the first thing to go was events. So I got laid off um, and I had started planning 
travel on the side while I was still there. And it was kind of like, oh, I'm going to go full time. Um, so I started just specializing in Disney, which I loved. And I love going to Disney World and I'll go every year. But there's still so much of the world. And I feel like right. families are so intimidated by places that aren't made for kids. And so I started Showcase the World because the World Showcase inspired my love of travel. And I want to help encourage another generation of kids who are excited to travel and learn and be culturally curious. That's awesome. And I, and the reason I asked that about the, uh, you know, your origins is because we actually in, in, in Nova Scotia have a, uh, I actually went to travel and tourism and took a course for a year, um, sort of like, and I think they still offer it this. I'm old. It was a while ago. <laughs> um, but, and that's why I was curious because people there literally did go to school to become a, a travel agent. I, I didn't, I, that was never sort of the path I wanted to take out of it. I was thinking like, um, more like hotels and like working in that industry that way. Um, so that's really interesting. I love it when sort of things come together organically, um, as compared to saying, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. So you just do X, Y, and Z and that's how you live your life. And this sort of evolved from something. So that's really cool. And I think, you know, we've talked in the past and Jen and I both feel this way that there's so many benefits from working with a travel agent. And so from your perspective, obviously as one, what do you feel are sort of the biggest benefits that you want to highlight of working with an agent? Well, I think the, the number one is, is the time saved planning. Right. Um, you know, you don't have 40 hours to, to put into a, a vacation to, to plan it. I mean, you need a vacation from your job. <laughs> you're not going to have time to plan it. So um, I think that's one of the biggest ones, I, you know, right now, especially sitting on holds for all of the changes and, and everything, you know, I would have to say I'm seeing an average of at least one airline change per trip at this point. And, you know, wow. sometimes five minutes, sometimes it's, it's 10, sometimes it's a whole flight cancellation, but that's still time you have to spend sitting on hold. Um, so that's a big one. Then one of the things that doesn't really get, notice necessarily is the time saved on your vacation. Um, you want to see as much as possible without rushing, waiting in long lines or bouncing around. So a good travel advisor will understand the crowd patterns, the best days, the order to visit attractions. In Walt Disney World, that's a big one, but mm -hmm. also in big tourist destinations like Rome. Like, do, should you go to the Vatican first or should you go to the Coliseum first? What's going to save you the most time? Because um, you don't want to be spending your limited vacation hours waiting in line or, you know, mm -hmm. frustrated. Um, and then I think another thing, um, people kind of go online to find the cheapest rate for something where with a travel advisor, you can get a better value because with a, a cheap deal, you're not necessarily going to know what you're getting. When you're working with a travel advisor, you know, you're not wasting a penny on something you're not going to love because it's mm -hmm. been vetted. It, they, um, I really pride myself on getting to know my travelers really well. So I know what they like and what they don't like. So they're not going to spend time on their vacation or waste money on things that they're not going to enjoy. And then, you know, insider knowledge, the extra support, you know, peace mm -hmm. of mind, making sure details aren't overlooked. Those are all, all the little things that come with it. But I think those big ones are, you know, getting the best value for your vacation time and dollars because they're both limited. I have to think another benefit. And again, I think Jen and I've discussed this before is when you're on the trip, if something occurs, then you know, you have that extra support, someone to lean on. Um, and I think, you know, if, if something were to happen and you don't have a travel advisor, you're like, 
what do we even, where do we start? And if you have that person to depend on, I think that would make a huge impact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times there's not a whole lot I can do because I'm not on the ground, but one of the benefits is I'm choosing suppliers that aren't going to leave you hanging somewhere. I'm only going to work with people who, you know, I have really great relationships. I'm going to, to Greece in a few weeks and I'm working with a supplier that I've worked with before who is on the ground and I know is going to, if something happens, she'll show up at someone's hotel to make sure that they are okay. If something happens with the tour operator that, um, that she chose and, and just those relationships are super, super important. Mm -hmm. And you know, the average traveler just doesn't have that at their fingertips, especially if they're using something like a Costco or Expedia because you're just a number to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think for me, like, cause I like planning travel, but also having someone who has like just the expertise to, I needed you when I went to Paris because we stood in a ridiculously long line to get into the Louvre and no one told me, um, hi, just buy the tickets online before you go. And don't waste, I, we were two hours probably. And that like, we were only in Paris for five days. Like that was another, something that we missed because we had to stand in line for two hours. But for me, the biggest thing is, um, not having to be on the phone with a company if I need something changed or done, or like, I hate waiting on hold. (laughs) So being able to like give that task to someone else is my favorite part. Well, if just because you love to plan your own vacations doesn't mean that you can't when you use exactly. a travel advisor yeah. either. Like if you want to say, Hey, Good I want to go and make all my dining reservations. I'll be yeah. like, great. That's one less thing for me to exactly. do. I've had it. You know, my daughter loves when I sit and listen on hold, she's three. <laughs> and the other day she came to me. So I spent a lot of time on hold with Disney. She came to me and she asked me to play the ghost song. I'm like, Annabelle, I have no idea what you're talking about. What the heck is the ghost song? She was like, the grim grinning ghosts. It's on your phone, mama. And I was like, oh, okay. I listened to the hold music <laughs> that much that she knows. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I think people think that it's like an all or nothing. Like either your travel agent plans every single detail and you do nothing, or it's you don't use travel agent and you have to do something. And there is that like, middle ground where like you work together. If, if you choose the right travel agent, you know, hopefully you need to find someone who will work with you and who will get to know you because that's just the way that trade should work. (laughs) It's building a relationship. It's building a long-term relationship and I'm not the right travel advisor for everybody. And when I have that consultation call, I'll let people know, you know, I have some great relationships in the industry. I might not be the best person for you. I, I work from home with a toddler. I have you know, I don't have traditional operating hours. I don't work nine to five. So if that doesn't work for someone, I know people who are working nine to five who might be a better fit and personality is a fit too. If if I don't sound like someone that you want to travel with, probably not going to be someone that you want to plan your, your vacation. If you were everyone's cup of tea, you'd be a mug. So (laughs) I mean, it's just how life works. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about travel in the times of COVID. If we must. I know, Listen, Megan, I know we, we hate that word, but anyway, Megan and I haven't gone anywhere, but I know that you have. So tell me where you've been in the last year and a half and how it's been and tell us all the things. Yes. So I've been a few places. Um, I have been stateside. I went to Walt Disney World um, again with my three-year-old and, you know, super, super comfortable. We were in between 
the mask mandates. So um, a week before our trip, they announced that you did not need to wear your masks outside. And the week after our trip, they said, you don't need to wear your mask at all. So we were right in between. (laughs) And that's super important to know right now, you know, it's going to change. It's going to be flexible. I had someone, I had a traveler reach out to me yesterday saying, you know, we have a May trip booked. I think that we're still going to have to wear masks should be moved to October. I'm like, well, I went in May and didn't have to wear masks. And now my, my travelers who moved from May to this October have to. So I wouldn't make any changes based on that. Just, Just be ready to be flexible. You know, everyone was super respectful of, you know, the six feet. My husband and I are vaccinated. Clearly my three-year-old is not. So (laughs) Um, we just would make sure she was in between us if we were in any tight spaces, but it was super easy. The only thing that was slightly stressful was the plane, because even though my daughter, you know, will yell at me before going into a store to put my mask on, she did not want to wear it on the plane. And right. I thought I was going to be put on the no-fly list because my, my then two-year-old <laughs> oh, no. wouldn't wear her mask. But oh. um, they were they were very understanding. And as long as we were trying, right. they were appreciative of that. But um, I just kept giving her snacks so that it didn't look like she didn't want to wear a mask. (laughs) That's one way. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, that one was super easy. That's a, I'm located in Boston. So it's a two hour flight and was super comfortable. The week after that, I went to Croatia. um, And that was a little bit more difficult. Um, We went for a travel advisor conference. Mm -hmm. And so there were about a hundred travel advisors um, coming in from the United States to Croatia. And I had a very, very easy time. I got to the airport, I had my vaccination record. And so I had no problem, but some other travel advisors who they were flying through different cities or their tests expired um, because they had a, a longer layover than expected. There were just a lot of issues that, you know, some people were, were in Belgium and then they had to fly back to the U S and then back to, to, so it was really, really difficult for some people. And what I kind of learned from that is I'm going to Greece in, in a few weeks. And even though I have my vaccination record, I will be getting my negative PCR tests just (laughs) so, you know, if anything changes, midair because it can that I have everything that I need so and you know being in Croatia it was empty and I felt like I had the city to myself I can't (laughs) imagine um when the cruise right the big cruise ships um um, disembark in Dubrovnik yeah it must be a madhouse but it was so nice to be there and and everyone was so excited to have us there as well I think that that's something that you know everyone's talking about you know, the small businesses that are affected by, um, you know, the, your support, your local businesses, support your, your restaurants. And, and yes, you should, that's great. But we also have to think about all of these people who make their livelihood on travel, on tourism, yeah. um, from, you know, the people who, who are cleaning the hotel rooms to the farmers who provide the, the local produce for, for the resorts, there's so many people who are affected and, and it's something that's not really um, talked about or, or even, you know, thought about that I think that we need to make a good good effort um, when we feel comfortable to, to be supporting all those countries that depend on tourism. Mm-hmm. I'm trying, Christina. I'm really, I, I, <laughs> I know. I know you guys don't have a choice. Like, we want out. We want I out. Want, <laughs> we can go. We can go now. Like we're able to yeah. go. I just don't think we, anyone is going. People are going, but just not people I know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. I, someone I know from the Halifax area um, went to Disney this past week um, and had a good experience except for 
Um, I guess we'll talk about this kind of next, but she didn't realize that like the tests that she needed to get on the plane were not like they were tests that she had to pay money for, which she, cause we have free testing here uh, for the most part, except for the ones that you need to travel, you have to pay for. And she was like two days before her trip, like, oh my God. And so there's just like a lot more things that you need to think about in yeah. that way. And you, you really need to have all your ducks in a row before you go. Your trip administration things you need mm-hmm. to have planned. So we know, obviously, there are people that are lucky enough, including yourself, to go places. So what are you finding right now sort of as we are, you know, we're not out of this, but we're on a in a different place than we were, let's say, last year at this time. So where are people going? Like, what seems to be a few of the most popular spots right now? So I think people are trying to stay close to home because they feel safer close to home. So I'm getting a lot of requests for Florida, um, not just Disney World, like Florida resorts, um, Aruba, other places in the Caribbean, um, which is actually surprising to me because they have much higher COVID rates than a lot of other places. So um, a lot of places in Europe, you know, Ireland, I know um, the Netherlands. um, I just got an email today that someone else, I don't remember what country I got it from. I want to say it was Spain, but please don't quote me on that. (laughs) Um, Ireland for sure. The Netherlands also for sure have vaccination rates of over 80%. I would much rather go to Ireland than Florida right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I know. Like, I love my Disney World, and we were supposed to go um, in October, and we canceled it because, well, traveling is difficult from Canada. And also, I was just like, I'm not comfortable going to Florida yet. Like, it's crazy town there, and I'm not ready. It's important to think about as you're making your decisions, you know, 30 or more days in advance. You don't want to leave it to the last minute, but, you know, things change rapidly. So you don't want to make it, um, you don't want to make your decision now for your your May 2022 trip. Um, It's important to think about the local area. Like if, what is their COVID rate, not only for your safety, but if you catch anything or not even COVID, if you get sick with anything else, are you taking up hospital space Mm -hmm. for their local people? I mean, that's something that I'm thinking about before I travel. I know not everyone is, is, is thinking that way, but that's really important to me to make sure that the local people who need the resources have the resources. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's, that's totally something people should be thinking about. And probably some people definitely aren't, but yeah, yeah. That's definitely a good point. Yeah, for sure. And so on on that note, before we move away from COVID, sadly, just in this podcast, not in real life, <laughs> is there anything else right now that you're telling or advice you're giving to clients to consider outside of maybe the testing piece to really be aware of that? Um, anything else, any type of advice that's sort of really prevalent right now around, around COVID that hopefully in a year's time when people to listen to this podcast won't be relevant, but <laughs> you never know. Um, well, here's one that's always relevant, but is extra relevant now is always be aware of your cancellation policies. Mm-hmm. You, you would be surprised how many people I send their cancellation policy to who have no idea what I'm actually sending them. Cool. I will walk you through it if, if you're booking with me, but it's still your responsibility to read through all the terms and conditions right. and understand what your cancellation, what your final payment, what, what all of your liability is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other big one is travel insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying I get travel insurance on every 
trip. I know that, you know, Asta will probably disown me and tell me I can't be verified anymore. You know, if I'm going down to Walt Disney World and my medical insurance covers me in the U.S., then, you know, I'm not going to add travel insurance. Mm -hmm. If I'm traveling someplace that my medical insurance does not cover me. So basically if I drive up to Montreal for the weekend, even though it's going to be a shorter trip than my Disney trip, I might consider it because if, if something happens, Mm -hmm. um, your travel insurance is not going to give you a full refund. That's not what travel insurance is for. It's to protect you from trip cancellation and, um, medical costs when you're there. Um, testing is super important. Even if it says you only need a vaccination record, at least have a rapid test so that you, um, if things change or, or, you know, there's a language barrier, you at least have something as a backup. I know a lot of travel advisors now are kind of planning, you know, vacation A and vacation B. <laughs> um, not a huge fan of the, the, the double work myself, but right. I think being flexible. Um, it's, you know, there's going to be a huge boom and availability is going to be extremely limited. So if you're thinking about traveling in 2022, and I don't know who's not thinking of traveling because <laughs> you've been stuck everywhere, yeah. um, things are starting to book up. So even if you don't feel comfortable traveling yet, think about booking, be aware of that cancellation policy and be flexible. Know that it might need to be booked. It might need to be changed. It might need to be canceled. You might need to end up going someplace else, but it's super important to have that going in, that flexibility, knowing things are going to happen, that, you know, airlines are going on strike, that everyone is short staffed. So having a little bit of extra patience, I don't think that that means you should have bad customer service um, just because people are short staffed, but it's having that little extra um, under patience and understanding. Be kind. Yeah. So let's chat. um, Do you have any like predictions for the future of travel and any like emerging destinations or travel trends that you're seeing sort of now for the future? So sustainable travel is really big right now. Um, every single, it seems like every single email I get from a supplier is how they're becoming more sustainable. Mm-hmm. I think what we're going to see a lot over the next few years are because people haven't been able to take the kinds of vacations that they're used to taking, that we're going to see big, huge bucket list trips coming out of the next few years. I think we're going to see, you know, those big African safaris. And um, I think we're going to see a huge resurgence for, you know, European trips because their vaccination rates are so high. Um, And they just Today, I haven't got a chance to read the email yet, and I don't know when this is being released, but (laughs) they just limited um, restrictions a little bit more, so it's a little bit easier to enter the EU right now. So I think that's going to be a big one, and I really hope, I know that, you know, I work with a lot of families, um, and they really want just what's easy, and I don't want them to think that Europe is not easy, because with someone to help you, it can be really easy and so rewarding. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And that's the thing. And I, I, I think you're right, because I think what this has taught us is that nothing is promised. So people that are saving for five years or more saying, you know, we'll take this trip in this time, like, and not that people, you know, should be careless and reckless with their money because things are so uncertain. But I do think people are maybe if they're able to shifting priorities just a bit to say, why are we waiting to do this? There's no time like the present or let's plan for one year from now instead of five. Like I really do think people are switching it up a little bit in terms of their planning for sure. And I think that, you know, if I had to go one place in the world all the time, it would be Europe and I would go there. And I, I think that 
you know, you're exactly right when you say book in advance, because we are trying for the third year in a row to get, we will be in 2022 to get to Switzerland and Germany. And even though it's disheartening for the, to book it for the third time, we can't put it off just because we feel like it may never happen, but you still have to book well in advance. And I think those are really important points. Um, going back to what you were saying before is, you know, even if it feels like, why am I doing this? It's just going to get canceled (laughs) anyway. You still have to plan and prepare. Um, and, and hopefully things will be available in 2022 and you're right. Europe is worth it, even if there is a little bit of extra work. And I think we're going to see a lot of shifts in the industry as a whole. So not necessarily things that um, a consumer is going to see, but in terms of travel suppliers, I think that they're changing the way that they operate. They've learned a lot from this. And I think we're going to see a lot more um, really small boutique experience driven tour operators versus the big box places. You know, you're still going to be able to get your carnival cruise from Costco. I don't think that's going to go away. (laughs) Um, I think that you're, you're going to have a lot more of those small tour operators who are focused on, on those unique one of a kind, you can only have it here with these people type experiences. Whatever that that. is, it sounds dreamy. I know. Like, I love that. And I know we've talked to Megan a lot about how we're not super into like the big bus tours. And so like a smaller boutique, like if I were to book a tour that's like less than 10 people, like that's perfect. Like I love that. And to have like a little bit more of an intimate experience with like locals is definitely um, where I want to be in the future too. So yeah. Um, And another big, I didn't think about this when we were talking about travel trends. I think river cruising, Mm. they're starting to open up into other markets. River cruising used to be only reserved for, you know, the retired set. Yeah. Um, My husband and I did our honeymoon on a Viking cruise and we were the youngest by like. Did you? I've always wanted to do one of those. And my husband's like, um, yeah, okay. In like 30 years. (laughs) The best way to travel. It's so easy and everything's taken care of. It's incredible. But they're coming out, you know, Disney has partnered with Ama Waterways. So they have river cruise itineraries for families. Talc Bridges have river cruise with, for families. Um, and different, there's a lot of river cruise lines. I know everyone knows Viking, especially yeah. if you're a Downton Abbey fan like myself. There's so many river cruise lines and they all skew to different demographics. And I think they're all, with the exception of a few, I think Viking's going to stay a little bit up there. Um, they're starting to skew a lot younger. So I think we're going to see a lot more families. I think we're going to see a lot more, you know, people in their thirties and forties on these river cruises. because It's such an easy hassle free way to see some of these incredible European cities, not even just European cities. Like I'm dying to do a Nile river cruise um, more than anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, that would be amazing. And I'm, I've been on a cruise. I did not enjoy it. I'm not a cruiser, but I do think if there was a cruise we would do at this point, it would be a river cruise. I definitely would consider that for sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of ocean cruising myself. It's not in the Caribbean. If it was Alaska or Norway and it was like my only way to see those things, yeah, yeah, sign me up. Um, but I'm, I'm obsessed with river cruising and, um, the the river cruise that allows children um their minimum age is four so as soon as annabelle turns four you know that we will be (laughs) countdowns on (laughs) so let's finish it off with some fun so where has been your favorite place that you've traveled to so far um it's like picking a favorite child i know (laughs) i only have one right now Um, (laughs) 
I'll, I'll do a U.S. Okay. So I got sent to Jackson Hole, Wyoming when I was oh. doing <laughs> events. I've seen pictures. It looks amazing. Well, I'm like, why are they sending me to Wyoming? Who wants to go to Wyoming? Like, <laughs> I've just gotten back from Reno, Nevada, which is not a very nice place. And I'm like, okay, they sent me to Reno now. They're sending me to Wyoming. And I fell in love. Mm-hmm. And I'm from the East Coast. And I spent a lot of time on the West Coast. And I just considered, you know, middle America flyover states. Yeah. Now, all right. Wyoming's checked off. Let me get to Idaho. Let me get to Montana. Um, so Jackson Hole has been one of my favorite places. Um, and then I would say Prague. I think that there's just so much, so many similarities between the Western European cities that I've been to. Mm-hmm. And Prague was just so different and so magical um, yeah. that it will always... It was also, I think, the first place I traveled internationally. Okay. I went anywhere before that. So different than Western Europe. And I'm going to, I'm doing a river cruise. (laughs) You guys are shocked. Um, From Germany to to Hungary. And so I'm really excited to go to to Budapest because they must be super similar. And and, um, yeah. This is going to sound silly. But in Budapest, there is a, and this is going to, you guys are going to look at me like I'm nuts, but there is a statue of Columbo and his dog in Budapest. And I don't know if you've ever seen the 1970s uh, drama with Peter Falk, where he plays Columbo. He's a detective. Anyway, we love the show. (laughs) And there is a statue of him and his dog there. You have to take a picture and like somehow send it to us because I'm like dying to see it. (laughs) I will. I'll put it on. Do it. I need to see that. I need someone to know someone who's seen it in person because I'm dying to see it. (laughs) I totally, I'm a, I'm a huge um Tom Selleck fan so yeah. it was it, you know they're not the same but for some <laughs> reason it made me think of Magnum PI so if there was a Magnum PI statue in Hawaii I would want you to take a picture <laughs> okay well then we know what's going on here yeah wonderful <laughs> that's so funny so uh, we wanted to ask you what your least favorite is is it Reno <laughs> probably Reno Nevada um fair yeah. yeah, I I would say Reno. Um, there's a few ports in the Caribbean that I could take or leave as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with that. It's funny, Megan and I. I think we've chatted about. Have we chatted about the least favorite places we've been to? Yeah, I think maybe so. once. But um, it's just funny because I'm always like, there's something redeeming about everywhere. You can always find something to do, and then there's just some places that you're like, yeah, this is just. No. Well, if you can leave <laughs> Reno and go to Tahoe. Yeah, there you go. It'll be fine. But when you're stuck in a um, little tiny conference room in Reno. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's no, there was nothing redeeming. Sometimes the redeeming quality is it's close to something else. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm actually not a huge fan of Paris. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. Um, send me to the French Riviera any day of the week. That was almost in my favorites. If I didn't, yeah. It just could go on for like another three hours, and I keep talking about my favorite. I put the French Riviera in there, but yeah, Paris has never. I've been a few times too, so I've tried yeah. to give it a second chance, and it just sometimes you just not don't that click. Yeah, sometimes you just don't click with a place, and you're like, yeah. okay, I've been there, I've done that, I'm good. Yeah. It happens. Now, before we move on, so our listeners can figure out where to get in touch with you if they want to. Now, Jen and I, 
favorite places, well, besides for Jen Disney, um, <laughs> is Iceland. Have you been? I have not. <gasps> you got to get there. Not. And I'm a huge fan of puffins. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Been to Iceland and I have not, um, Jen knows this about me, but my favorite book growing up as a kid was Anna Green Gables and Aww. I haven't been to Prince Edward Island either. So God, I don't know why you. it's yeah. like a four hour ferry. I know but... it's not that far. <laughs> no. Yeah. You need to make that happen. You need to make, they have really low COVID rates there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would just on the puffins note before we, uh, before we move on there, I actually saw more puffins in Ireland than I did in Iceland. We went to Skellig Michael and, um, we saw more puffins there and they were much, much closer than we were able to see in Iceland. And they are the, they're poopy little creatures, but they're so adorable. <laughs> yeah. I, um, when I was in Ireland, it was the fall, so it wasn't right. Puffin wasn't time. the season. So yeah, maybe, maybe next spring I'll head up and and do, you know, the Canadian coast. Yay. I think you should. You should. We had, um, we saw puffins on, well, like two on our whale watching tour last summer here in Nova Scotia. So that was pretty cool. There's one in, there's a puffin whale watching tour in Maine too, but it's like, yeah. it's closer to you in Maine. Versus- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're basically here. You might as well just keep coming. <laughs> Maine's like almost honorary Canada. It's it is. Very close. I mean, the southern Maine coast is about 45 minutes from my house. Yeah. Okay. Where you, upper Maine. where the puffins are. That's like eight hours in a car with a three-year-old. No, no thank you. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Christina, where can people find you if they want more information or they need a travel quote because they're going to get on a freaking plane in 2022? <laughs> So my website is showcase the world. If you want to get a quote and get started, there's a big banner up at the top that says get started. So just click that. If you want to learn more about me, just kind of poke around. I'm on Instagram at showcase the world travel. Same thing with Facebook. And then I'm showcase the world on Pinterest and YouTube. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That's all we have for today's episode. Jen will put Christina's information in the show notes that you can follow her. I know it's a hard to write things down while people are listening to a podcast. <laughs> Nobody has pen and paper. Um, as always, you can find us, uh, the travel mug podcast on Instagram, Facebook, also the travel mug podcast.com. And we'd love it. If you would leave a review on iTunes and share our show with a travel loving pal again, thanks so much, Christina. It was a pleasure to have you. We appreciate it. And again, soon everybody. Bye. Bye.